in a podcast where two people talk to two other people in multiple parts, starting with episode two. So reach on back there, folks. Listen to episode two and then continue on to episode 13. This episode. Today's episode is part two with Jen and James. And I think these episodes, uh, part two or part one and part two of Jen and James, uh, really stand alone. That being said, you should definitely check out episode number two because it's awesome. You get to. You get to hear us fall in love, and uh, we it's all pretty funny and playful. Um, and this episode, we get a lot more into the heavy stuff. Um, we Jen has been studying trauma um, and healing from trauma for a very long time, and sh- and we start this episode by talking about a new technique that has is being shown to be incredibly effective in recovering from trauma and that's so interesting um we also get into drug use like over prescription of drugs and and then lack of prescription of drugs in some case and how to find the balance and then we get into our usual questions and just in general uh i, I love i love jen and james why we're releasing this episode it's been too long since we've seen them and i wanted to hang out with them again so i decided it was time to release part two um yeah good peeps and a fun conversation even when it gets heavy everybody's so fun yeah like in the middle of jen's most intense part (laughs) talking about intense sexual trauma i just fed her a bite of brownie (laughs) and that's like that's pretty much the tone of this episode we get into some really heavy stuff and then we like shake it up with fun and love so we weren't originally planning on doing two episodes but then we went out to dinner with Jen and James and they were just so interesting (laughs) that we had to do it we had to keep on recording without saying a word Jen jumped up and dashed out from the restaurant leaving us all in awe at her sudden departure questioning the very fabric of reality. Where had she gone? Was she ever there to begin with? What was her mission? Will she return? This is also particularly impressive because we were in Niemen in Chiang Mai, which has, in my opinion, some of the scariest streets that I've ever crossed. Yes, Niemen social is a dangerous I wasn't crossing that little side street. I had to oh, run across a major the, thoroughfare, the 10, gotcha. 1094 the, the, highway, in order to get batteries. Neiman is like the most bougie part of Chiang Mai. I thought oh, she no. Was saying, I wasn't like, saying like the people. The no. streets are it's the dangerous no. streets no, of no. Neiman. No. Okay, yeah, the, 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 I was just the trying traffic to say is a little daunting. Trevor and I often get into fights when we're in Neiman because he's very bold about crossing streets. And I'm fucking terrified. So usually he has to hold my hand and kind of drag me across as I as I sprint in in terror. But so, so I just mean to say this is a big deal. We, I had to cross the biggest street there uh, very quickly, and I did it. And in I, I ran you've been frantically. Along. She's not afraid of flickering lights, but she is afraid of crossing the streets. I wonder if I would be like this naturally, or if my parents just did such an intense job of raising me. With, like this priority because they let me be a pretty independent kid 
but they taught me to be fucking terrified of crossing streets so that in my independence I was I was always going to be the dorkiest one of my friends who was always gonna be like Well, I mean like guys, we need to look both ways like eight times before we cross the street we should probably hold hands and also if you ever get into a car you wear your seatbelt oh, you, was that a thing for you i don't know probably not you were probably like cool in high school anybody that got into my car if they didn't i wouldn't drive if they didn't put on their seatbelt and they would like i was like how do you think this is cool right now like you think you you think you're being impressive right now that like you're a 16 year old dude who's like i don't need a seatbelt like no you're fucking retarded I'm in charge. It's, I'm driving. Put on your goddamn seatbelt. Nobody's impressed by you right now. If I remember correctly, when I was like 16, I probably was a no seatbelt wearer. But I believe by the time I graduated high school, I was I was on the seatbelt seatbelt board. What made you think that was cool? I don't. I don't. I don't know if I thought it was cool or not. I probably did a little bit, but I think it was more just annoyance. The the less than one second of effort to pull to click the yeah click it and it's like restricting. <laughs> but anyway, moral of the story is that I really needed to do part two of this interview because they were because they got into such an interesting conversation that I ran across the street with wild abandon. They only looked both ways once and then and then dashed across this many lane road and got batteries to continue recording the podcast so i do i do a lot for you listeners i don't i don't know if you guys know about it fun fact and feel free to fact check me on this because i might be getting it wrong but the number one cause of accidental death in like the majority of age groups leading up to like young adults is our car crashes and drowning and shockingly like these are the top two things that i'm like related. pretty afraid of yeah. i've also what do you call it if you if you start drowning and then you don't die do you just say i nearly drowned i've nearly drowned on a couple occasions yes because drowned implies death i believe that is the case yeah drowned definitely implies death drowning doesn't necessarily like you can say I was drowning, or no? Can you not? You can. You <laughs> just did. Uh, I don't know. That's a. I I would say that's permissible. It doesn't have the same feel as like. He was being electrocuted, and then I saved him. Well, he was drowning, and then was saved. The drowning victim. Hey. I've also been electrocuted. <laughs> You're a ghost. What do you say for that one? I was be- I was in the process of being electrocuted. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't. I think if you think we call that being shocked, I was sh- I was shocked. Yeah, but you think of shock of like you know you build up some static electricity or something. I shocked Chewy this morning. Yeah, but this was like. Have you heard this story? I don't know. The time I was electrocuted to death. <laughs> it was I was I was nine. It was spring break, third grade. And again What I'm, kind of day was I'm it? a dorky responsible kid. 
Third grade was rough for me. I had a lot of uh, growing pains. A lot of shit went down in a span of a couple months. I broke my first bone and then my second bone. I got Lyme disease. I got a whole bunch of uh, injuries that weren't breaks. And right, first day of spring break, third grade. I am a responsible kid, so I figured I'd start my spring break out right with some spring cleaning. And I decided to clean out my closet. Um, I did not know anything about the laws of electricity, like literally nothing. I knew you plugged things in. I knew not to stick anything into a socket. And that's about all I knew. Um, so I was cleaning out my closet and then I noticed there was a light bulb in the closet. And I was like, oh, that would be very useful to turn on. I'd never turned it on before. I didn't go in my closet much. It was a very, it was a weird closet. Um, so I found the cord to this light bulb, plugged it in and it didn't turn on. And then I saw that the wire was not touching and, and it was like hanging on by a thread and like not touching. So I grabbed the wire to touch it back together in hopes that that would work. But it was bare wire that was plugged in to the wall. So, oh, also I had just, since I was cleaning out my closet, my closet was right in front of the door to my bedroom and my mom's room was across the hallway. Um, and I'd build up this pile of stuff from my closet that was almost as tall as I was. So I grab this wire. I start shaking violently all over. Uh, and I don't even know like how I let go or whatever that thing is. But I, I, didn't, I didn't hang on to it for too long. Um, but still, my body, after I let go, my body was still shaking really hard. And I was then trying to jump over this giant pile of stuff to get to my mom. Who was I? I can't remember if she was watching this all happen or if she was like just out of view. Um, but she was in her room and the door was open and everything. I don't know. I eventually I like got over this pile of stuff and I was still shaking and my arm kept on shaking for the rest of the entire night, like pretty intensely. And then my the two fingers that I touched the wire with were still shaking for like almost a week. They were still like very trembly. I don't know if that was just was there, there was some fear there, if that was entirely electricity, but definitely the arm for the rest of the day. That was not, didn't seem like me. Uh, and then I was fucking terrified of electricity for a ridiculously long time. I mean, probably like definitely, definitely when we met, which was like well over a year later, um, I was probably really scared of electricity for about three years. I, I, I was scared to, to step foot on the spot where I had gotten electric shocked electric shock just doesn't sound intense enough for what i experienced as a nine-year-old of like full body convulsions of electricity um but uh yeah i would i would i would jump over that spot in my room because I, I had to like walk through it to get to my room but i was scared if i stood there i would somehow get electrocuted again and so i would leap over that spot for like many years i was very paranoid and yeah, just I remember like telling some people <laughs> like I had I then developed like a variety of weird like OCD type habits for a couple of years there of avoiding different electricity things. And I remember telling somebody at my summer camp when they were like asking me to do something, and I was like, no, like I'm not going to do that. I was recently I was recently electrocuted, so I'm I'm not going to do that. Uh, you got to find somebody else to like plug things in because I'm I'm too scared. It seems odd then that you would not be afraid of flickering lights. <laughs> it also seems odd. I hope that your mother wasn't just watching this. She's like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, what was she supposed to do? 
you run at somebody and you hit them off. I mean, I don't, I don't think it happened for too long, and and she definitely had no idea what was happening. Um, that it was this yeah, was. I can see how that would be like. Is you dancing weird? I mean, I'm sure I looked terrified, but I can't, I, I can't remember if she was. There have been, I don't know. I sh- I shouldn't say this on the podcast. My mom reacts weird to when bad things happen to me. Like I fainted in front of her a bunch of times throughout my life, and. I always wake up to her screaming at me. She's always very mad that I fainted. I mean, I think because she just feels like it is my fault. Like I've done something to not take care of myself properly to get to a place where I fainted just then. And I feel like the vast majority of the times it's been it's been either when I've been sick or doing some stupid dance move and like letting the blood in my head get weird. It hasn't been blood sugar, but anyway. <laughs> so I don't remember. I'm definitely gonna edit that out. She would be very upset for me to say that it's true though (laughs) often people react to fear with anger right i know that about people (laughs) it's odd it's that do you think that's like natural or do you think that you're we're not supposed to there's like shame in showing fear but there's no shame in showing anger in our society i think that anger is a easier headspace to be in than afraid Man, <laughs> not for this guy. But if that is the reason, then it begs the question of how transferable emotions are. Probably fairly. I definitely feel like I was more or less raised into my emotions. I mean, like, yeah, no, I definitely feel that way. I think I'm sure there's a bunch of nature there of my disposition being something but then also definitely my taught for my main negative emotion to be fear i think it makes sense i can see why somebody would want to raise their children that way i don't think that it's not like that was something they said that was just something they exhibited i don't think it's like a conscious decision people make i think it's just kind of like i don't want my kid to get hit by a fucking car so we're gonna make sure that they are afraid of cars yeah <laughs> that just seems they succeeded. Seems on um, face value very prudent. I think that in most cases, this is a reasonable course of action to take to a certain extent. I think when you have a whole bunch of news media telling you that there's a whole bunch of horrible shit happening, it's, you know, in the vast minority, you can take that position to an extreme. Not that your parents did. I think that they were right to. Allow you as much freedom as possible and tell you not to get hit by fucking cars. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But the whole afraid of strangers thing and all that. They didn't really raise me to be afraid of strangers. They raised me to be pretty fucking polite to strangers. I mean, to use my deductive reasoning skills and... uh, Yeah, I wasn't really referring, you know, I think that's a common fear amongst... That's spread beyond reason. Yeah. And like, you know, it's good well, advice not to get Do you feel like our generation or like was raised with that? Yes. Like 100p? I think there was definitely a lot of like, don't get into cars with strangers, but I feel like we were, I, I'm pretty sure me and all of my kid neighbors or all the other kids I knew 
were raised to be like very polite and open with the neighbors. I mean, I spent my whole childhood just like going around to neighbors' houses, whether they wanted me there or not. I was always hanging out with the grown-up neighbors well, all throughout. I, think, I mean, are your neighbors strangers? I mean, they start out as strangers at some point. Yeah. You know, and I knew my neighbors a lot better than my parents did because I would just be there. I mean, which is interesting because statistically, it's those types of relationships that are the most dangerous. The ones where the kids know the adults better than the parents do? No, just where there's some familiarity. Oh, right. Like, like it's statistically an actual pure stranger is way less likely to molest or another in any other way harm you, but Correct. somebody with some level of familiarity is more inclined. So learn all about, if this has happened to you, learn how, about this new therapy that Jen <laughs> discusses to heal from childhood trauma it's really so interesting i really want to i want to do it it's, it sounds crazy but worth a try for everyone every time we bring this up i've i remember that i wanted to research more into it every single time i forget ah well this would have been a perfect opportunity but alas i know i was just thinking i could have been like well this is what's the deal for my research but i didn't do that so you don't get that listeners if you maybe if you went onto our amazon link and purchased some shit oh yeah i was gonna bring that up i checked it after whatever the last time we did a big ad for it was so many more people have gone on and left i think it was a week ago that i checked and still zero purchases i don't understand what are you guys doing you're just going to check if it's really amazon like what's happening i think like 50 people have clicked onto it now and zero of you have made a purchase just fucking we're almost there folks we just gotta you gotta get, get you over the line purchase those hair clips get that we just, want, we just want one. We'll do. We'll like. We'll make you an improv song. Whoever the first person is, I don't know if we. I don't. Since no one's made a purchase, I don't know exactly what we get to see. Uh, if if we see your name or your product or anything, but if we get all that information, we'll sing to you. Otherwise, we'll sing an anonymous song. And uh, so 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 just in case we do get to see your product, make sure it's like a really funny one, and then we can sing about it. No, order whatever the fuck you want. Just uh. Shop with us on Amazon. Go to the link in the top right corner of our website. Stationery. Stationery is hilarious. We've already been working on a song about stationery. That's why Trevor brings it up. <laughs> All right. Let's, without further ado, it. Without further ado, Jen and James. Part two. Part two. <laughs> Occasionally interesting. They are occasionally interesting. I'm proud of you. Thank you for. Uh, <laughs> and we're back. Subscribing to all of my my whims. No, I just find you. No, this unbelievably is interesting. It's uh, <laughs> then like I feel about Trevor. It'd just be like unfair not to share this with the world crazy if it, stuff if it helps we had launched into so we talked about what we talked about with the commune but then that launched into nudist and it also launched i think into one of yours your friends her feelings on needing for validation yeah. which then led us to right. trauma yeah. and drama and then <laughs> that kind drama of brought, and drama trauma and drama the drama from the trauma 
It's not funny to laugh about, but it just it does sound goofy. <laughs> so for all you following out there, <laughs> yeah. So the yeah, the that I'll... we finished the podcast and then we decided to go out to dinner together because we were having so much fun. But then we got into wildly intriguing conversations. So for all of our diehard fans out there, we just uh, <laughs> we didn't want to disappoint you. So we are trying to catch you up on that conversation, and uh, yeah. we're talking with Jen right now about the physical changes that happen in your brain chemistry when you experience yeah. trauma. Yeah. And uh, this is something she's been researching for a long time. and a very long time. Blown our minds already. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I was just sharing that um, there are a lot of studies, probably most, the most change I've seen in looking over different, uh, like the transition that the medical profession has taken in, uh, diagnosing and looking at the effects of trauma has happened probably in the past 10 years when it comes to understanding the chemical makeup of the brain and how it can drastically be affected by different types of trauma. So specifically, I've looked at a lot of different sexual trauma studies that uh, show very consistently that when... Um, when sexual trauma happens, especially at a young age, and there's so many variables in this, but when it happens at a young age, there's a chemical compound that gets stunted. Uh, so as the brain is growing and developing, this chemical compound. Okay. I'm sorry. We got a brownie, guys. There's dessert. <laughs> it's okay. deliciously compound. distracting. <laughs> There's a chemical compound that gets stunted in its um, reproduction. So um, then that trauma victim, as they continue to grow and their body continues to um, increase in other ways, that particular compound does not increase in their brain. And so um, when that happens, it triggers uh, certain responses so that as that person becomes an adult and starts having to make adult decisions, there are very real um, consequences of being in a deficient state in the brain. So when you are deficient in these certain chemicals, it causes people to have certain responses to their decision-making process. So you find a lot of times that sexual trauma victims will be people who are hyper-focused on people-pleasing. Um, they're people who tend to put themselves in uh, situations that they already know the outcome is going to be defeating for them. So they'll intentionally seek out opportunities to, for instance, um, accept a promotion that they 100% know that they will fail at, or they wow. tend to uh, even take on uh, when you're looking at like uh, postgraduate, like post uh, secondary school options, they'll tend to take on programs that they know they uh, don't plan on continuing. And so they will allow themselves to not just um, quit something, but fail out of a class um, because this particular, it's almost a defense mechanism, but this particular chemical compound that they're lacking um, prevents them from being able to rationalize. I don't need to place myself into this um, place of rejection or this place of failure. And then also, what we see very frequently like out in the world and what we see and talk about a lot is these victims tend to be the ones that 
um, for the rest of their lives seek validation through physical, through the physical. So they seek um, validation in the way they dress. They seek validation in uh, potentially how promiscuous they are, how many partners they cycle through in their lifetime. Um, and then even more so than just from a uh, like sexual desire standpoint, they also are people who will seek validation for um, things like uh, even today you see a lot of uh, sexual trauma victims who become makeup artists and they get obsessed with recreating their physical appearance uh, for wow. the sake of attention for that as well. And obviously it's not to say that every sure. person that takes on those passions in life um, has experienced sexual violence in their life. But uh, looking at it from the opposite standpoint, um, you're almost guaranteed to find that a strong majority of sexual violence victims um, tend to gravitate towards these areas of life where if they are successful at anything, they end up being successful at um, either hyper-focused on pleasing other people in their profession or hyper-focused on getting attention for their physical appearance. So it's really fascinating stuff. Wow. Um, and what was this uh, therapy in the palms that you were telling us about? Yeah, so we... Also feel free to take a break and have a bite of ice cream. It looks so good. <laughs> Brownie and ice cream. Um, we were talking a little bit about EMDR. Oh, thanks. James is going to hold the mic for me so I can take a brownie bite. Thanks, mm -hmm. babe. Um, thank you. This is a team, team effort. Work. I love it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's delicious. <laughs> um... We're talking about EMDR, so EMDR therapy is a very specific form of um, physical, it's actually a physical response therapy that trauma victims of any sort, so anyone that's experienced trauma, especially if it's trauma that has now later in life affected, created a stunt in development of some sort. So along the lines of what we've been talking about or even along the lines of somebody who ex uh, experienced a very traumatic event in their childhood and this um, created a chemical response in their brain that has prevented them from, um, you know, just pursuing all that they would like to pursue in life. Or if they're trying to even remember, sometimes your brain, of course, will uh, block out that memory in order as a defense mechanism. And so... EMDR therapy is a physical touch therapy that um, recreates the trauma traumatic events. Uh, it recreates the brain's response to the traumatic event and then redirects. It brings that traumatic memory from one compartment in your brain into a healthier place of your brain. Um, and by doing that, it's almost like if you had a broken wrist, let's say. And so you needed to not hold things in that hand. So if your right wrist was broken, you might wear a cast on that wrist. And that cast prevents you from being able to use or move that wrist until it heals. So the idea of EMDR therapy is to move the weight of that traumatic event from the area of your brain that it's causing um, uh, Lack weakness, of rest or, weakness yeah. or devaluation in. And it moves it to a healthier, stronger part of your brain so that that weak area of your brain has an opportunity to um, recover and heal and um, get to a healthier state. 
so sorry. <coughs> How could you? Oh my god, so unprofessional. <coughs> Ridiculous. Uh, you're kicked off the podcast. Done. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> How did you come to know about all this stuff, Jennifer? So um, with EMDR therapy specifically, um, I've been through, uh, I've spent time in therapy as an adult a couple of different times. And um, then I first heard of EMDR therapy through a good friend of mine who is like me, probably oddly obsessed with researching <laughs> these things. And so she brought it to my attention a few years back. It was uh, probably about, again, probably about 10 years ago. It was something that was just being experimented with. And now it's actually been proven to be highly effective. Um, And so it's much more widely used in therapy now. And so I I had known about it for several years. And then in probably in the past year, I had uh, started going through a round of EMDR therapy, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that it can do, but it's, it's a very time, it's a very time sensitive, uh, process. So you have to be very careful with not, it's almost like opening up a wound in a sense. So you have to be careful with how quickly you dive into certain types of trauma and really take your time with, um, how much you do at once. So it can be a lengthy process. But I uh, went through a series of EMDR sessions myself over this past year, which were incredible. And then a good friend of ours. Could you feel a difference after the first one? Like what, what did it feel like? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually very similar in my experience. It was very similar to coming out of a really hard workout. Um, like 24 hours later when you're really sore and your muscles ache and you're exhausted and tired. Um, after my first session, uh, the first session is typically a baseline establishment. So you're, uh, finding it's, if, if you've ever heard somebody talk about using like a safe word in, in a, um, in an exercise that they're doing in some way or another, you're finding this safe place for yourself. So you're, uh, first creating in your brain, like a very, almost like meditation, you're creating this visual safe space that your brain can return to if the recreation of the trauma starts to get too intense later on down the road. So you have to establish that baseline first. And with that, you're holding devices in your hands. Sometimes it can be done without the devices, but these devices are most common and they create certain a certain sequence of tapping into the palms of your hand and that tapping triggers a specific response in your brain. When you're watching somebody go through this therapy, a lot of times you'll see their eye movement. Um, if their eyes are closed or open, you'll see their eye movement um, start to go left to right at a very rapid pace um, because it's a nerve response to what the triggers are doing in the palms of their hands. And so in this first session, you usually find your safe baseline. And then once that's established, you just very, very lightly start to discuss your trauma experience um, while these tapping, tapping mechanisms are triggering your brain. And so you don't dive very deep and you may not even have a, an emotional, you might not feel an emotional response the first time, but what it does is it, it is really like peeling back that first layer of skin, so to speak, where the scar tissue. Yeah. And it can be really like over the next few days after you come out of that session, it can be really raw feeling and, um, very exhausting. A lot of people talk about feeling like, um, they're physically exhausted, so very tired. Like you might go home and sleep for 18 hours afterwards because 
it just takes a lot out of your brain um, to, to start to reopen that. And then um, the next few sessions after that is really, you really have to, something that you can research online, but I would never recommend anyone trying to recreate the process without a licensed professional because this is the best podcast ever. I'm being hand fed brownie and ice cream. That's a good clarification there. Otherwise, <laughs> just a, oh, so much great. happiness in the midst of a heavy subject. Thank you so much. It's a new kind of therapy. <laughs> Practicing brownie therapy in brownie. the midst of it's pretty effective in my experience. I love it. It's the best guy. Um, oh my gosh, Sorry. thank you. No, that was so great. Um, the next few sessions, you typically start to really deep dive into, even if you're somebody that has talked through your trauma and therapy before, the physical work that's being done while you're talking through the memory of what happened, it is a very different experience than just talking through it. So um, it really is uh, creating an actual physical response to that emotional moment that you had, um, which can only be described as extremely painful, both physically and emotionally, but definitely physically painful, um, but then extremely healing afterwards. So which makes sense with the muscles, though, too, because they would probably tense up and flex and you know contract quite a bit during something like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's crazy to think of our brains as a muscle, but, I mean, gosh, how many things that we're able to actually physically control with what's happening with our brains. And I feel like we're, we haven't even scratched the surface of what that looks like, but relating to this specific therapy it's really fascinating to see I've experienced it firsthand on a very small scale I only went through like I said a a first let's say cycle of EMDR therapy Um, but even that was extremely it's crazy because ever since then anytime I would talk about the trauma that I've experienced um, as a child anytime I've talked about it as an adult I would typically experience a lot of exhaustion and emotional triggering for days, if not weeks after those conversations. And funny enough, since going through EMDR therapy, anytime it's brought up now, anytime I talk about it now, uh, I anticipate this negative emotional state that I'm used to being in after resurfacing things um, about my past. And I don't have that same long-term emotional um, like uh, impact. impact, yeah. Wow, thank you. Yeah, which is amazing. Trevor, um, talk about your—I don't know—hypothesis or something. Uh, this is something oh. that you we've been yes. talking about. Yeah, this is a really fascinating emotional, emotional pain hypothesis. Yeah, uh, I, I actually have this on my notes of, of stuff to talk to you about on like our individual episodes. It's like second on my notes of things that I want you to explore deeper i would, so. would like to say that i you know it's not my area of expertise it's not but it's a hypothesis it's true um but so like pain management after a surgery is crucial because the neurons will learn a pain signal so it's really important to have anesthesia and post pain numbing after surgery otherwise you can have prolonged pain far after the initial surgery 
And I am curious, since there seem to be a lot of similarities between emotional and physical pain, if the same could not be said for emotional pain. So if after experiencing a traumatic event, such as a car crash, and you were emotionally scarred from it, if you were allowed your brain to have a amount of time where it was numbed through the tools that we have now would be things like Xanax, if it couldn't save itself from creating those neuro connections that cause this post-traumatic events that are really tough to untangle after the fact if you could stop those from being created in the first place with something like in this case it would be most likely drugs that might be effective rather than having those same people have anxiety disorders and have to take those drugs for longer term in the future yeah and maybe proper drugs too because there's got to be i'm sure that there are people out there that are experiencing this kind of trauma and then going immediately to something like you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever to to medicate, but a proper medication and understanding. It's interesting though too, like what <laughs> to be prepared for something like that. That what would that look like? Like what what kind of situation you're in life? That like, but it makes sense. Like it it like the science definitely adds up behind it for sure. It's very fascinating. I mean, if we just took it as seriously as physical injuries, of like if you're in a car accident and you have to be in the hospital with bed rest because your legs are broken and they have to be elevated or whatever i got you same situation of just like i guess i was thinking in your medicine cabinet but this is more or less like hey this just happened to me i need to be seen by a doctor and then okay hey we know what we can we can help you like we have something to give to you that's more the the line of thinking yeah and having the same like societal acceptance of like absolutely they've just been through a trauma so they're you know either at home or at the whatever safe place doing their healing work yeah no that's great even when people come in from traumatic events i mean you know sexual traumas tough because it's not always like you're not always in a hospital being exposed to healthcare practitioners right but other forms of trauma you could definitely intervene in a way that's like we don't necessarily now like in a car crash oh well here's you know see a therapist (laughs) in terms of you know take this have this cast on for this long and by the way also see a therapist yeah they need the right people on staff for that you know like yeah yeah, like and you might want to exercise after this because you know, that's what's going to save you from the depression that might hit because you just were in a car crash. Like, Absolutely. Like, that's, that's, my understanding, that's not the way it works now. That's very places. wise. I don't think there, there probably is not enough consideration for the human brain and our, our emotions, honestly, too, when we go through this kind of stuff. Yeah, you think about even when you're in a hospital environment, tip, the typical response um, from a mental health standpoint, if somebody even comes in, unless they're coming in with, you know, as a suicide attempt or something along those lines if somebody comes in and is having any kind of other issues that may or may not point to whether like something that could be a mental health problem typically what you have is uh you know some form of therapist coming into the room or um for a cycle like if they're ordering a psych evaluation for anyone the questions that are asked are so surface level it's not there's not a deep dive into um into actually determining whether there's somebody um, would be helped by something to affect their emotional health. But it's more questions along the lines of, do you feel okay? Do you feel suicidal? Are you depressed? Um, You know, these yes or no questions that, which again, we've talked about recently of being like, everyone knows you're not allowed to admit that you're suicidal or there will be dire consequences. I mean, to confess to have having suicidal thoughts that, I mean, well, I don't know what the alternatives are to treating that as seriously as we currently do, but I mean that right. therefore, yeah, everyone knows. Don't say that or else. Right. 
And it was like, it's really frustrating. My mom's had a lot of like health issues in the past and she's very, she gets very anxiety ridden going into the hospital for you know, a variety of reasons. Like, even if it's like an MRI and, you know, you know, we're going to be in and out. And I'm like, well, you know, can you give her Ativan or can you give her Xanax? Because she's freaking out. Does she need it? Probably not. But the worst experience she has while she's in that hospital, the less likely she is to want to come back when she should because she's going to equate that terrible experience with the hospital and then not yeah. want to. And I'm like, just give her the fucking drug. Right. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I yeah. can drive her home. Like, you know, it makes right. her experience more pleasurable. Like, she gets to, you know, whatever. She's going to be much more pleasurable for you to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. exactly. Everybody wins, the I nurse was, included. I was thinking that when you guys were talking about just having, you know, um, having you know the right care for the questions and the things like that but just the bedside manner of most medical practitioners is just awful it's not it's not great at all and and like we've been recently too in the last year we've been in the hospital for several things um for both of us um but even like more recently for me my appendix ruptured and they treated me as i was like looking for drugs basically and i i'm not one to like to deal with, like, I deal with pain very well. Like, I'm not one to complain about much of anything. But I was such an excruciating pain. And then finally, I just had to, like, take myself out of the situation, go lay down on a bench and just, like, curl up. Uh, and and Jenna was not happy about that situation at all. But well, yeah. they just basically, I wasn't even asking for drugs. I'm just like, hey, I there's something really wrong with me. I need to be seen. And, and then that seemed actually funny enough after they got me into a room finally. That seemed to be what clicked for them as I was like, hey... I don't need drugs. I need you to get me to an MRI because I'm pretty sure I'm having appendicitis and I'm like dying right now. So like, I don't want anything else to go wrong with my body. It sucks that I'm in pain, but I don't even care about that. I just want to know what's going on so we can take the next step. There's definitely, but to that point, I think there's definitely this uh, fear, I think, in the medical community that, and it's almost like a, I don't know, it's, it's a really skewed perception that of course, there. Are, sadly, there are people who are um, addicted to prescription medications that definitely will do whatever they can because of their addiction to take advantage of the medical system. But on the flip side of that, I think there's this, on the one hand, fear of um, giving more than is necessary to anyone who's not in dire need, and then on, but then on the opposite end of that, we hyper medicate somebody that we see the smallest amount of need. Mm-hmm. Um, from them. So there doesn't seem to be a great Balance, balancing no. act. Yeah. Happening with, um, you know, Hey, in this one moment for this one circumstance, let's go ahead and offer what's necessary to ease the situation. And you make a good point, like not create a perpetuating Absolutely. pattern of behavior where somebody avoids or a fear. Yeah. A fear that makes them avoid that. Well, in the future. My personal opinion, that the, the drug addicts who's going in there, like, I mean, I know a woman who stabbed herself in the stomach to get pain meds. Yeah. And actually stabbed herself ah, in the stomach. She had two little boys. So I think she's dead now, actually. Um, so sad. sad. The, the funeral that my mother was just talking about. It's a whole other. Wait, uh, like, the kids are okay. Not the. No, her her grandmother, the one we were actually really close with, because she had two 11 year old, oh. 11 and 10 year old kids. So would stay with us. When, oh, that's uh, but awful. I mean, but what do you do? Do you deny that person pain meds? Like. Right. Just give them the fucking pain meds. Right. Like, you just, like, I'd rather see that. And the problem is, like, when you have, you go in for dental surgery and you know, you're going to be in three days of pain and you get a script for 30 days. Yes. Of, that's not, 
that's not the it's way so to do skewed. it. That balance is so you off. Know? But like, I was really surprised going back to the whole pain theory yeah. of hearing like, you know, it's really important to have people take their pain meds after a surgery like yeah, that. I didn't know. And to to stop them from needing them for longer term, and I was like, that's just so counterintuitive. That's right. fascinating. Right? Like, where else could that apply? And I have no idea if it is a transferable that's a great, theory. But that's a great. Yeah, theory, it's like it's a I transferable think. theory. Every time I like have a headache or anything's a little bit wrong, he's like, take ibuprofen now and take a big <laughs> dose, so you don't need to take a bunch later. And I'm like, no, no, about this, man. <laughs> That is interesting. Well, because I, I mean, I feel like that's an understandable question. I'm the same way. I question that as well. Because I'm like, well. If I continue to do it, then my body just builds up an immunity to it, and then it's or like an intolerance, right? And then yeah. I then I need greater or bigger. But that's an another again. It could just go back to it's like a common theme: the whole gray, right? Like, well, maybe for this person, this is how that would work. Maybe for this person, it's the other way around. But yeah. I also don't like to be in pain, so if I, if I have a fair. headache, I'm going to take some Tylenol. Right, <laughs> that's what it's there for. Right, like, we live in a world where we get to take Tylenol. It's fascinating. It's <laughs> awesome. Like, I'm going to take full advantage of that. Yeah. I feel like one more circle back as well is just when we're talking about the whole bedside manner and the type of care that's given nowadays, and especially in Western um, like medicine and stuff like that. I feel like I think it goes back to the whole like, well. I got myself into hundreds of thousands of dollars of school debt and I don't necessarily want to be a doctor. I don't really care about people, but Hey, this is where I'm at. So I guess I have to do this as, as a living. So I feel like when you're not in, when you're not happy with what you do every day and you hate what you right. do every day, but then this is what pays your bills and this is what you feel trapped in. It makes sense that you're going to have people that just are shit. At- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if we had a whole, like a, a medical staff that was, you know, that had their education paid for them. Like, right. my theory is not even just pay for people's education, but pay them while they're in school. Yeah. Because, like, they're going to school to become doctors to help society. Right. I think society's, you know, it's in their best interest to, to get them there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You, like, everybody that opportunity, the people who actually want to be doctors will become doctors, and then you, you get good doctors. Imagine, imagine that. Maybe yeah. have some good quality <laughs> testing, too, though, just for, like, for what their motives are, you know. Oh yeah, I could. You couldn't. Oh my god! Like working with the medical nurses are great and everything. Like, oh my god, the shit you would see. It was just. It was. It was unbelievable. I mean, especially from like all levels of just incompetence. Oh, I not everybody, and not you know, like there was a lot of great people that really are there doing what they you know felt a calling for. But, jeez. Yeah, it's kind of scary. And then to add on to all of this, this leg of the conversation, it's crazy to think that once anybody in the medical profession gets out of their actual education piece, right? So the schooling, while there is some ongoing education, most of it is done from a pharmaceutical standpoint or a medical device standpoint. So then you have these uh, essentially salesmen who run our medical um, experience by you know, consistently telling doctors, this is what you need to prescribe for this particular ailment, or this is the procedure you need to do for this particular issue. Um, even if in reality, that's not the best method, but there's money to be made off of it. So by no means am I like going down a conspiracy rabbit trail. No, but I was just reading an article that was correlating uh, pharmaceutical companies lobbying to doctors, the rate at which they did that to overdose deaths. So wow. there's a real connection between how it. those pharmaceutical companies pitch those drugs yep. and yeah. how they affect the public. I mean, it's so scary. Yeah. And to think like that is the that is the ongoing education that our doctors receive is from people who are not trained medically. They're people who I've had friends get into pharmaceutical sales and they come from, um, you know, 
a lot of times not even a college degree, not to say that that I don't believe that necessarily is a measure of intelligence by any stretch, but um, you know, you can have somebody coming right out of high school jumping into pharmaceutical sales and um and they're being told by their pharmaceutical companies what is true and right and good and then they relay that to the doctors and the doctors believe it and push that it's particular just drug. It's a sad system. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a documentary on um uh, the company who like first created fentanyl, and the way they were selling that like what's they, fentanyl? Fentanyl is a drug that uh, uh, usually should only be used for like terminally ill cancer patients and like late stage therapy because like when but. other it starts to be it was starting to be used for like all sorts of things like mm. it was it was a serious problem it's like, like it was being prescribed by doctors yeah yeah but like even worse than that it was like that insurance they they were like lying to insurance companies about what these people would be coming in for to try to sell it more because they were incentivizing the sales wow for like and it was just like all these horrible and like that's this, so awful they, they there was a criminal investigation i don't think anybody went to jail like Meanwhile, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are dying every day. I mean, I forget like what the statistic like a hundred people a day died in Philadelphia. Oh, Don't quote gosh. me on that. It was something outrageous though. Like you would not believe it. Like I've heard statistics as high as like ten percent of the population in America is addicted to some sort of substance. Oh yeah, just what do you mean? Mind blowing. That's one out of every ten people addicted to some sort of substance, like a prescription substance. Yeah. Oh. Like yeah, I've I've heard even the same one out of ten seems low, like based on where we come from. Everyone in our high school has been dying from heroin. I know that's not prescription, but I'm just saying. Yeah, we like, we so went to an affluent high, school. high school, yeah, right? And, yeah, yeah many... pretty much every person from who's died from our high school has that's died so from awful. heroin, and that that is right. mostly usually because of fentanyl. So they, they, the drug dealers will Wait, cut the what? heroin with fentanyl. And fentanyl what? is, what? Fentanyl is what? 10 or 100 times, 10 times more powerful than heroin by weight. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, my god. It also has a longer half-life. I did not life. expect that to connect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a terrible fucking drug, like, at least when used improperly. Is that the thing that you were telling me that, like, the cops would, like, their eyes would start burning? No, so, so oh. there's also carfentanil, which is a derivative of these same sort of opioids that, you can buy from China apparently online that is 10 or 100 times more powerful than fentanyl, which is oh, 10 God. or 100 times more. I forget what the exact. Oh my gosh. Uh, so it's so potent that if you have the powder on you and you say overdose and the EMTs come to resuscitate you and there's the powder gets kicked up into the air, just by residually breathing it in, the paramedics can go into an overdose. I mean, it's like biological weapon grade powerful. Like, That's it's crazy. fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. So there's all these other drugs that are coming out, and that one happens to be apparently able to be bought online from China. Wow. That, yeah, that they're, they're cutting it with. And the worst part about it is it has such a long half-life, so how long the drug stays in your body, that our drugs that combat overdose no longer work because it, it latches onto the receptors for so long. So they need like five, six, seven, eight, ten doses of Narcan to wake them up. In a lot of cases, it's too late. So now more people are dying Jesus. from overdoses as well. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, bananas. it's, it's bleak out there. Like. It's crazy, too, to hear about, like, things like this that are so potent. So to, like, take this full circle and um, without, like, stating necessarily, I guess, what side I'm on um, of this particular conversation, it's so fascinating to me um, that 
there are these really hyperly potent illegal drugs that are out there being manufactured. And then you have something like take marijuana, which is a big conversation piece in America right now in the USA uh, as it's going through legalization state by state by state and more states are legalizing it. Um, the medical effects of uh, cannabis are so wide, like so vast. Um, and now because there's more legalization, even for medical purposes, there's a lot more studies being done on what it can be used for and how it can help everything from pain to um, mental and emotional disorders um, with very little to no side effects, uh, short or long term test. You think? I mean, it's curious. I mean, because pharmaceutical companies are making billions of dollars off of these drugs, like aspirin. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking about like pain meds that can be worked on, on like, how many like. You have a cold, you have a headache, you smoke a little bit of weed. Right. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that it's like. And the DEA has complete authority over how they schedule drugs. Like, that's not congressional. Like, so they they can take any substance and say, that's now a schedule one drug. Yeah. Like, like, now you can't even do research on it. Like, it's impossible to get through those federal hurdles to do. And now we're starting to see like hallucinogenics and the, the, the. they, treatment options that they present for things like addiction, like yeah. ibogaine and and ayahuasca for PTSD and, right. and, and MDMA for PTSD and and I mean, but those are all even illegal to do studies with. Like that's crazy in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah, in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, but, uh, you know we should we're supposed to be the forefront, the leader right. of this kind of crap, and we're like. It's hard not to draw the line, like connect the dots there too, and it's hard not to draw conclusions on whether any of that is absolutely determined by the deep pockets of the pharmaceutical yeah, industry. Yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah. No question. Right. Like when you have things that could be so helpful and so useful but are not going to be money makers the way these other drugs are money makers. And it's crazy, right, to look at drugs that um, treat one ailment um, only to perpetuate a different one. So yeah. it's um, it's kind of so like an serious. upsell, right? So if yeah, you can yeah. get someone to take one drug that you absolutely know will make <laughs> them in the long run have to take four other drugs, and it only makes sense. Your toes don't fall off. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a horribly pharmaceutical, crazy... I'll just say it. Pharmaceutical industry is trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on record. Fine. On record, cool. you heard it here. Trash. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah scary you're stuff. Like the sixty five percent barrier effect with like antidepressants. Where it's like the, yeah. the the margin between what the placebo and the antidepressant do does is like so minimal. Like you can get about up to like sixty five percent success with an antidepressant, but you can get up to like sixty percent with the placebo. It's like. So take this but there'll be a lot of side effects like, right. you won't be able to get it up anymore so there goes right. your sex life you'll, you'll be more depressed about that exactly so take exactly. this other drug you may want to kill yourself while your eyes are bleeding right. out but. <laughs> you're not exactly you're not suicidal now but you're depressed but take this and you won't be depressed anymore but on a whim you might be really happy and still want to kill yourself so <laughs> that seems like a better choice yeah, talk about a bleak outlook so so scary crazy stuff <laughs> move to thailand <laughs> yes so instead of all those things move to places where marijuana is legal and not in thailand, also not in places, thailand. yeah and also places that are very relaxing and positive and there yeah, you go you don't even need it here it's right get high on life surround yourself get high on life people do you want to ask the questions oh yeah, yeah the 10 yeah, questions, the ten questions. Right. we got through one yeah, um, we, off, do, off mic. What is the most about... unrealistic thing you believe in? 
Mm. What is the most unrealistic thing that James believes in? <laughs> James would say the most unrealistic thing. The most unrealistic thing that I believe in. I, I don't know. That's a good one. Do you have one that comes to mind for you already? If not, I'll. I don't keep know. I feel like rambling. this is. I think this is very. Uh, I like this question a lot, but I think it's. I guess depending on who you ask in my life. <laughs> so I'll just I'll state the. I'll say the obvious to me. I, I don't think it's unrealistic at all, obviously, but um, I definitely believe that there's literally not a single thing that happens to us in our lives that isn't intentionally orchestrated. So I would say most people think that's unrealistic to believe. That's a good answer. I, I think, yeah, that helps me kind of go towards mine too, which I think it's too, like, it's like, it seems too broad to be like oh i believe in god so you know therefore that but i think for me i think to to make it a little more specific where i find probably more people would find it skeptical is uh i believe like i can talk to god like i believe i can hear from god clearly and i believe that he can he can hear me obviously i think that's a little bit easier for more people to believe but um yeah i believe i can hear from him not like a loud booming voice uh, and not like hey james god says he's not talking about himself in the third person <laughs> <laughs> although he could then, but that'd be good. Would he be talking about himself in the in the what's that to the power of three because he's like the Trinity, <laughs> like God in third person. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> if there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop, what would it be? Mm. Say the first part of it again. What or action? If there was one behavior or behavior. action. You get everyone in the world to do or stop doing. What would it be? I feel like I'm in. I feel like I'm going deep on all of these, but um, self-deprecation. Ooh, that's beautiful. That's a good one. I like that one. See, she's so sweet. Good. My thought immediately went to stop driving so fucking slow. Uh. <laughs> but, but I know that's not necessarily the one that I want to go with. That works too. No, I love that. Why go with that one? I like yeah, it. Yeah, that works. Gut. Yeah. All right, that's my. That'll be my my gut all answer. All right. Well, you might have the same answer to this question. <laughs> what is the most annoying thing about people? <laughs> oh man. No, the most. Okay, so this is my, I'll give my philosophy. This is the most annoying thing about people. And maybe this relates back to the other one too. Okay, so my, probably the last, in the last couple of years, I'm very definitive on this fact. I can tolerate and love you if you are a stupid fucking person, but you are as sweet as can be. I can do that. I can do it all day long. If you are a big fucking asshole, but you know your shit and you're smart and you know everything you're talking about, I can also love you and still deal with you. But if you're a dumb fucking asshole, I cannot deal with you. So that's where I draw the line. I like, think that's very fair. No. It's a good no. line to draw. No redeeming qualities, sir. No. Just like, no, no. Can't, can't, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's the worst when they, they think that they're also being like really intelligent with their things. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they think they're really smart. You're really fucking stupid and you're being an asshole right now. Like, what is wrong with you? There's no, no coming back from that. <laughs> Um, the most annoying thing about, is that the question? What's the most annoying thing about people? Yeah. I think, uh, something that, um, annoys me a lot is, uh, people speaking down. Yeah. I don't know. I, sorry, I'm going so deep with all these. I don't mean to. No, please um, be you, dude. The, like people speaking down to somebody else. So I, I can, I can stay even in a heavy debate or like a, a tough situation where tensions are high. I can stay pretty calm and 
I'm typically the person that like keeps other people calm around me, but uh, you know how to do a robust man discussion. One- <laughs> what was it? <laughs> oh, wait, robust dialogue. Robust dialogue. There it is. Yeah. Um, the moment I see somebody start to be condescending, hmm. not to say I'm never guilty of this myself, but it's still, like I don't know. It flips a switch in me. It's like take hold my earrings for me. Like I get, <laughs> I get real crazy real fast. It's like the yeah the biggest irritation of mine is when I see someone treating someone else in a condescending way Aww. yeah or angry jen you're a mama bear i am a mama bear <laughs> i like that i like that too <laughs> uh, what is something that is really popular now but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by high water pants no question <laughs> done if so, I see, so quick. Oh, if I see one more person wearing jeans that like hit right above their ankles. I thought and those they are capris. Like those no, are not capris. Those are a little higher, right? Yeah. Capris are mid-calf. Yes. Okay, that's true. That's <laughs> big true. difference. Big, big difference. Like two inches. But I didn't even know this was the thing. Those two inches make all the difference. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I can't believe that that's become trendy because it, when we were in high school, that was like the single most offensive dorky thing you could wear. Yes. Like you, is, you is were this, a trash is person. Guys and girls wear these? Yeah. I feel, it's kind of like hipstery. It is. It's hipster. Yeah, for sure. It's like, the and and you see it a lot. It's almost like cutoffs now. Like if you think of cutoff shorts, but instead they cutting cut it off, off like, the, like the first inch or two yeah. of your pants. Yes, it's so obnoxious looking. Uh, I hope it doesn't that. last five I years. Couple pairs of pants now. I, <laughs> I hope that one dies in like a month. <laughs> Can we just stop? Everyone stop wearing high water pants. <laughs> Trevor's learned about so many well, trends you know, on this podcast. In from case there's questions. like a, a flood that's like three inches high, uh, you gotta have yeah. those that's pants exactly. ready. Maybe that's kinda, what we used to make fun of people for. Like, maybe oh, you kind of want to step in the pool, on. but not really. Yeah, <laughs> just get your toes wet. Just the toes. <laughs> Selfies came to mind, but I really don't think that's realistic to think that it's going to be out in five. So I think trap music, since it's trash, is probably going <laughs> to be. Nice. Good, good well played. Um, what is your favorite thing about yourself? I gave you guys time to repair. I don't feel like you ever answered, James. Yeah, I don't know that you did. No, I, I think I, I did. I'm trying to remember what I said. I did say something. Um, Your ability to speak in the third person. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's was, what you said. The best thing about James. No, I had to do with being the grenade, I think. Mm, yeah. Oh, I like think that's Trevor's grenade. favorite thing about you. Uh, <laughs> or Social the, the rhino. Yeah, it's Wildebeest. Wildebeest. Did she make up Wildebeest? I don't remember Wildebeest ever being said. Yeah, then, I remember Rhino. I thought you don't that's remember Wildebeest because Wildebeest then you were said, like, that's who killed Mufasa. Yeah, that's one of the one oh. of the guys said that. One of the guys that we were talking to today right. said that. One of the M's. He's a matter mark. Marcus. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's a funny thing because I'm a, I'm a recovering arrogant bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Amazing sentence. Uh, um, How do you feel about that sentence, Jen? <laughs> she understands it so accurate <laughs> but i go. say that in the most loving way no no i'm i'm fully accepting of that yeah i i don't know i i think i said earlier my boldness and my courage and i think that applies yeah. like i'm tr- i'm trying to think if there's anything more specific but i really don't mind jumping into anything and everything and and i kind of like that about myself so i like that about you too thanks Aww. oh so sweet uh, um if this question's coming after the other questions so far, then I think it's um, hopefully. Uh, see, even saying them, I was going to say hopefully not arrogant. Even oh, now, I'm like, oh, oh my God. I'm no. like saying these things about myself. I was totally joking earlier too. So, but yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, I I I tend to have a strong amount of empathy, 
even towards people that I'm not a huge fan of. So even when I'm momentarily frustrated with somebody's actions or choices in life, uh, for whatever reason, it's not a, it's a natural progression for me to lean towards, uh, understanding that there's probably deeper things happening in their life that cause them to make those choices. So I'm grateful for that, I guess, gift or attribute that I, I don't, I'm able to see things in people and also feel their emotions strong enough to be able to bring them down from hard places. So that always warms my heart and impresses me. Aww. Sweet. You're so sweet. What's your favorite thing about each other? Mm. This isn't one of the official questions. I was just <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing about James is whatever we called it. I don't know what we officially landed on calling it. <laughs> you invented grenades, so I think you can go with social grenades. Yeah, and and by social grenade, I mean that uh, I tend to be more socially awkward and uncomfortable than James. So um, when we're in situations around people that we don't know, uh, James is my knight in shining armor that will insert himself into... Uh, circles of strangers and sometimes even on my behalf so that uh, I have an in to ease myself into the conversation. Um, so he is he is always coming to my rescue with lightening the load and slash. Um, I love that about him. But if I just realized that shouldn't be my favorite, favorite thing about you. My favorite thing legitimately about James is that he does absolutely constantly seek out ways to make me feel validated and loved and cared for. So he's constantly looking for ways to remind me of how loved I am, which I am so grateful for. It's very sweet. So perfectly then, what's your favorite thing about Chan? Her butt. (laughs) No, I'm just, I can't help myself. It's, it's my... My my lean towards comic timing and stuff like that necessary. No, uh, her butt's not bad at all. But uh, oh my gosh. but um, no, I was gonna say just her smarts. Like she's so brilliant. Um, that's that was one of the reasons I knew I was gonna marry her too because I was coming from a place of understanding that I'm sh- shallow in my typical or my my former like uh, desires and things like that were typically more of a shallow lean and and I really under- had a better understanding. Like listen, like what's long-term, what's going to last, what is, what is quality and, and her brain is super, super quality. And that's just a high level of smarts. And then, you know, low level more, you know, just how witty she is, how funny she is, how um, thoughtful she is just like so brilliant. So that's my, I love her smarts. And her butt. And my butt. And her butt. <laughs> solid combo. It's a, it's a, it's a solid uh... Michael Scott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and her butt. Her butt doesn't quit. <laughs> enough about that <laughs> what's your most embarrassing memory before age 10 oh before, before age 10 uh, there was uh, roughly speaking yeah yes. we'll allow one at like 12 and a half that's a cut off yeah that's um, fair um I have a, a very embarrassing memory it's so silly I my mom one year bought me this coat that was like faux fur. So it was, I mean, it was a faux fur coat. I don't know why I thought I could pull off that it was real. Um, so I, it was, I think fifth grade and I showed up to school in it and everyone loved the coat. Like nobody was asking if it was real or anything. For some reason, I thought it'd be a great idea to lie and tell everyone this is (laughs) 
real fur coat. And I thought that would be the coolest thing ever. And so it was embarrassing. Did you get this idea from a movie or something? That Probably. That fancy? I'm sure. It, I absolutely did. I'm sure I had seen something that was like, oh, if I have a real fur coat, this is the fanciest thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the midst of telling everybody uh, that it was absolutely real, of course, the question from fifth graders, understandably so, is like, well, what kind of animal is it? And it was a white spotted coat. So I told <laughs> them it was a um, snow leopard. It's fair. Which makes... Well, it really makes no sense. I don't know that you could the type of fluffy fur that this coat was. I don't think you could get it from a snow leopard a unless it was a leopard. stuffed animal snow leopard from Disney. <laughs> so, um when I was telling everyone that it was a snow leopard fur coat that it was real, uh, a really good friend of mine um good friend. stepped into the conversation and just fully called me out on it. And for the rest of that year, it was just a constant topic of conversation amongst my fifth grade class. Remember how Jennifer tried to lie to everyone about her fur coat? Um, Definitely something that stuck in my brain and like scarred me for life. And I'm not somebody that even as a child, I was very acutely aware of being like the good kid. So I didn't lie that often or try to do stupid things like that so it, it scarred me definitely Aww. it sticks with me to this day <laughs> so embarrassing we were talking about this earlier too i don't give a shit what people think so it's really hard <laughs> for me i'm really trying to wrap my brain on what might have been embarrassing but um and and that and yeah it was really tough but in that age range too i just i don't know the only thing that i can kind of come up with and maybe this is why I don't care about, about as much what people think. I had a really abusive uh, second grade teacher. Like multiple times would would not even make it to her class and run back out to my mom's car, make me, make her take me home crying Aww. and stuff like that. Um, I don't think I knew that. That's horrible. Well, and part of the reason, too, that this teacher didn't like me was because my mom always brought me to school late. I was transferring. I was going to a different school. I had to transfer to this school because it was a better school. But all that to be said, I just had a really horrible second grade. Um, I thought I was going to drop out of school in second grade. Um, third grade, thankfully, I had the best teacher, so there Aww. is a, there is a happy ending to the story. And I love I love third grade; it was great. But second grade was really terrible. Mrs. Naylor, I'll call her out too. I got no problem with it. Bitch. Um, yeah, she's redheaded and everything. Uh, oh, no soul either, huh? I love, don't get me wrong; I love my gingers, but she was, she was evil. Anyhow, what was embarrassing about it? That, like I could think of that, like I was caught. So, so um, she really didn't like me. And then on top of that, like she like took advantage of that and just like like abused me and so i i one day i did really well in class and like she had this giant glass jar of candy on all these fun like mixed candies and i think it was like one of those like the bananas and the apples and the oranges mm-hmm. the little fruits and stuff oh, like, right. and so i was like so like she would like kids like get pieces of candy if they did something right in class and one day i was having like a good day like granted i was definitely a little bit of a troublemaker i couldn't shut up i'd always keep talking no surprise but all those kind of things like she just couldn't tolerate anything and just like gave me such a hard time but i did really well and I don't know why, but everyone was gone out of class at, at the end of the day. And I was still in the class for some reason, including her. And I was like, fuck this shit. I've done really good. I'm getting myself some fucking candy. And so I pull off the top. I reach my hand in. I've got a handful of candy. And I hear a top, 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 these high heels behind me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And so sure enough. This is like a bad nightmare. Like I a turn bad dream. around and she's just looking at there and she's just smiling. She's so happy that she like caught me jacking candy out of her jar and so she so i'm just like drop all the candy <laughs> put it back on she like take walks me out to the car and she she tells my mom she's like you know what your son did da, 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 da. 
thankfully, I will say this is a saving grace for some of my parents in some of the ways they raised me. My mom loved me dearly and also knew that I was a smart kid and also didn't, didn't rarely didn't actually believe me. Um, and so when I was telling her like a lot of these things, she was just like, whatever, bitch. Like she did not care that this teacher brought me out and then I caught that. So that, on the positive side, like, did she go buy you can't runts after no, that, which I think is what the candy could was. Have been. I, there's a good chance of it. We probably had them at home or something too. It was just, a, it was a sheer, like you deserve the candy. Right. And then, and then I got busted though. So that was pretty, that was pretty embarrassing. I would say uh, that was, that was sad. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the only thing I can think of. Like anything outside. No, that was a great one. Care. Yeah, that qualifies. Um, what? You guys aren't parents. What is the book that has most influenced your life? What? What's what that? is the book that has most influenced oh, your life? Oh, jeez. Braving mm. the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Mm. That's my girl. She she's, would be your girl. She's it for me. Yeah, yeah. She's Respect. it for me. Yeah. I, I love that you had a really quick answer for that. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy question for me. For James, this is probably a little... Yeah, this is a lot tougher. You've read some good ones, but... I have, but I'm also... Like, I'm not a big book reader. I definitely read tons of stuff on the interwebs and, like, researching stuff, but books, like, sitting down and actually, like, finally... What about, um, about the guy in China? Oh, uh, that was... I didn't... The Heavenly Man. That was a... I didn't finish it though. Is the only problem, but it was de- it did probably impact me. It was one of the more impactful books um, because it definitely it it got me to a point where I like had to put it down because I wasn't sure if I like believed it or whatnot. So like, it's interesting. And I, what, it was just so it was it was supposed to be a true story though, but it was just so far so far crazy that that was pretty intense. But yeah, you what book say was this? The Heavenly Man. Um, I forget the. I could Google it and send it to you guys if you want to just check it out. It's essentially it is based around a gentleman in China that was um, saved. Uh, essentially, he became a Christian. Yeah, he became a Christian essentially just through like happenstance. Like I want, I don't, I don't remember the story well enough. That's I'm embarrassed, but uh, essentially, like, like a Bible almost like fell off of a wagon. Essentially, you read it and it, like bam, like understood. And, Understood. And it was like in English too, like crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. Having this guy, he like, he it's a te- true story. Like it, it's a memoir yeah, it's, of it's this written, guy's life. Yeah, it's written as a true story. But so like a couple of things that I did kind of believe in, a couple of things I didn't believe in. One was he like time traveled essentially, which what I mean by that is he had a, a trip home and he was walking, but he got there way faster than he really should have like gotten there. So that didn't, and I believe that because I've definitely experienced something like that. I don't know what that actually means or what that's like. And then the other piece to that that I had a hard time believing is apparently at one point in time, obviously in China, uh, Christianity is so heavily scrutinized. Um, he did get jailed one of many times. He got jailed, though. And this is where I just had to put the book down. But he had apparently already at this point been like fasting from food and water for like 70 days or something absurd, like way past 40. And he was so shriveled. Uh, that his wife and daughter couldn't recognize him. Like, even his ears had lost fat. Like, that's how badly he was, like, shriveled up. And then at the same time, he was being peed on and beaten with, like, like uh, electric batons. So it was like, I don't not believe what he's writing if that's what he's saying happened to him. It's just, it's just so intense and it was so much for me. I was just like, I, at that point in my life, this was many years ago. It was like five or six years ago. I had to, like, put it down and just, like, it was intense. So, like, there's a lot more in between. It's worth it's a worthwhile read. I might go back now and, and finish it up. Yeah. But yeah, as far as changed my life, 
it was definitely impactful. I don't know about changed my life, but it was impactful. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. What life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced? What what travel practices? life practices? Life practices. Sane and balanced. Uh, definitely working out. I have to have to have to get physical fitness in there in some capacity. It doesn't always have to be like in the gym, but something sense. something done either you know wrestling or some sort of martial art or or working out or like competition. Competition is big too. I do love love competition. That's the other part. So either. Physical fitness or competition, or it's like games or something like that. It's fun. Interesting. Competition. I haven't heard that one yet. I thought of that as like a, a practice to keep. Yeah, AJ said something similar. That was our DOD guy. Oh, yeah. Does he want to compete? We can do something. <laughs> yeah, come up to Pi. Actually, he's in Chiang Mai right now. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but, but, but there's a good chance we're coming to Pi in the near future. Yeah, right? Yeah, good. We've sold you. Yeah. It's five bucks. <laughs> um gosh i don't know um and uh this is a lame answer but i it, it it's probably true i if i'm feeling like a little out of sorts just diving into research on a topic that i'm not familiar with keeps me like i think it decompresses my brain it's not lame that's awesome it's super, like Trevor's super Trevor's definitely the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought of it as like a therapy, though. I'm just, yeah, just yeah. do it innately. Right, but now I really, that you uh, say it like that, it seems back like to the it conference. Is. Um, what's the website that the, the first speaker spoke of? Oh yeah, Skillshare. Um, Skillshare. Skillshare. I'm like, I'm putting it. I get an account or use an account we may already have. I'm like, that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, like, I want to develop right? some content for yeah. that. Yeah, that like, and like, I want to see what they have. Like, yes. I want to check out that dude's like, you know, especially getting in the videography and like, yeah, like, I definitely. Like, yeah. I I get that because I'm I'm the same. I've spent I've never tried Skillshare, but I've spent way too much money on Udemy for that reason. Like, uh, I've been done a I've Khan done Academy. It's great. Is it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like so low stakes. I've never yeah. taken it too seriously, but it's just like, right. it's a lot better than just like a random YouTube video for the most part. And it is fairly helpful to see uh, the submitted assignments from the other students and whatnot, oh, just yeah. like inspiration. I mean, I've only ever used it for artistic stuff. So that's always, that's so helpful. cool. Udemy, do you pay per class? You do, but it's uh, like see, $10 like a subscription. Class. Cause then you can just like geek yeah. out on it. Like just like, exactly. Up, I love that. I know. I'm what definitely going to check that out. Apples, I don't had. remember university something. Oh, yeah, I iTunes you. Yeah, iTunes you. Did you guys ever do that? Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty college. savvy, like pretty solid too. Okay. Like it's not there anymore. It's, oh, it's still around. What do you think? Nobody Con, cares. Khan Academy. Khan Academy. I'm gonna <laughs> shout them out again. Khan Academy is amazing. I give them money every month. <laughs> <laughs> they don't ask for it either, but they ask for it. But you don't have to give it to them. <laughs> I, like that definitely helped me through through school. Nice. <laughs> I love it. If you're ever feeling really stressed, you need to do yeah. some serious research. Some deep dives. <laughs> work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, That's so perfect. Okay. Organic him. What is the most environmentally friendly thing you do and or the main environmentally friendly thing you want others to do? Mm. Ooh. That's a really good one. Um, so I use I can't say I use zero. But over the past year, especially, I've probably by 90% reduced uh, the amount of unnatural products that I use for my, like, hair, body, face, teeth, all of those things. So if it's going to go into our water system and harm 
the planet in any way. Um, I've all but taken it out of my repertoire. That's probably, at least most recently, the biggest thing that I've done. And then here specifically in Thailand, I try to say no thank you to as many, many plastic bags as I possibly can. We used to know how to say it in Thai. Yeah, we learned how to say it in Thai, and then we went to New Zealand and forgot. We didn't have to say it for a couple months. Just say my. My. What's my Benrai? My Benrai is it's okay. Yeah, that's what Um, I usually say. My Benrai is like, no, no, thank you. We learned specifically to be like, no, there is a. Yeah, there is a specific. (laughs) Yeah, that's 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 an uphill climb. Jen semi stole mine, I would say, but then it came to mind that I don't shop at Walmart, so I think that's the best thing that I can do for the environment is not shopping Fair. at Walmart. It's really easy when you're in Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> it is true. easier here in Thailand. Did you However, guys, like, go I... to Tesco recently? Or... <laughs> yes, that's not. I think yeah. Walmart... no. no, I mean it's just like the Thai Walmart. I don't. Okay, I mean okay. Big but C. Not I would say Big C is like the yeah, Thai Walmart. Yeah, Big C is more like Walmart. Okay. Tesco is like Target, and I can deal with that. How does that help the environment? There's no need for WalMarts anywhere. Like, I don't think that actually helps. I think it does. I think it's I'm like sure. the same principle. Yeah, WalMarts does. They've made so many WalMarts. Now they've, they've killed all the competition. Now they're taking all the WalMarts back. Yeah. So now people have to drive like 45 minutes to get to the now only store that they can buy shit at. <laughs> it's so Fucking true. evil. They pay their so employees evil. like seven twenty five an so, hour so, so that the government is subsidizing their Thanks. salaries. Yeah, these are all the reasons of helping the economy. <laughs> I, we agree all those with that. Reasons. And not to mention all the small businesses that are being put out of business where, the, where that could also be helping our economy. So that's how I'm economy. helping Environment. <laughs> economy, environment. And what, hand do you, hand. what do you wish other people would uh, do to help the environment? I don't know. Um, it's frustrating because I love riding motorcycles and I love the sound of engines that explode, but I understand the enormous value behind electrical vehicles and like yeah. stuff like that. So I wish we would just completely... I, I you know should listen to... We have a podcast interview with a guy who's like an expert on electric cars and he's like mm. revolutionizing electric cars in New Zealand. Oh, oh, nice. Really interesting podcast. I'm so, I'm cool. so for we'll it. And yeah, I, I so dread the day where there may not be like a combustible sounding engine. Although... There's always going to be like specialty shit. I, yeah. That's true. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, two, it's a two-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, like it's sad that, not to hear it. But can you imagine the noise pollution too? That will also be reduced when you don't have that kind of stuff Ooh, either. So noise pollution, right? noise pollution, and exhaust pollution will be will be a great thing to not have you know around anymore. So it's it's tough. Well, you can't, isn't there like cars, like electric cars now that like make the sound? make the sound of like so. that's just silly though. <laughs> and it can't make the sound. It can't. There's nothing like an authentic sounding V8. 69 Camaro, just like, there's just, ah, oh, it's gorgeous. You should listen to Dak Shepard's podcast. I think you'll fall in love with him. Yeah, Dak Shepard. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know who he's married to? No. Uh, Chris, Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell. Oh, I did know that. Who who partnered? Someone that I know partnered with him recently. I don't know. What? Partnered with, with what? him? On what? You should what? ask him to be on our podcast. Yeah, this <laughs> I know, is like right? Our number one dream. But to <laughs> get Dak Shepard like on there. Two degree of separation. I, oh, he has a two degree of separation from literally so almost. So you guys now have a one degree of separation to Kevin Bacon at this point in time. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I don't. This is I'll, true. I'll, I'll I'll look into it. I'll get that. Yeah, yeah. To TBK, TBC. To be yeah on the next on the next podcast because uh, I, I don't. My remember. heart is like stalled right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited too because I'm I actually vaguely... more a fan of Kristen Bell than I am. 
I think she's just so adorable. You need to listen to Dax's podcast. You is fantastic. Specifically, will be in love with him. I don't. I don't doubt it. I believe that. I I think he's a charming, charming individual. You haven't gotten to know him. Yeah, the podcast. So we need this. Is really going to make me rack my brain now. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I got. On what type of thing, partner? What? So it was something that I probably have acquired recently through social media. So it's not like we're. I don't know if we're tight, tight, but uh, but yeah, but we could be. You'll have to look into yeah, it. Okay. We won't dwell get back on to it. Me. I will. We'll get back on it. I'll, I'll, me and Doc will get back to you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we'll bring Kristen, too, for crown. I'll be like, dude, you got to bring Kristen. That's yeah. just oh, and like, come. You cool. would be best friends oh, with I know. Kristen. You guys oh, are she like adores Kristen, person. too. This is my dream in life, is to be best friends with Kristen Bell. I think that she would love to be best friends you with you. You can make a lot of things come true. I feel like this is going to be if you guys can listen to this podcast, that would be great. And then that way you know a little bit more about us, and then we can see how this works out. I love it. We'll try to put it out there. That'd be amazing. We're going to be in LA in May, so we're going to try to get a lot of like, yes, you know, make it happen. All right, so LA why, in May. why do people do small talk? This is still <laughs> I really more. Like I thought there was only like ten questions. Yeah. I think. This is like, the last why? question. Okay, we've only done ten. We just you and I both talked so much. This is not I'm not going to surprise one asking what your favorite thing about each other was. It just that felt like a lot. Round. It's not a bad thing. It just felt like I just feel like I'm I'm really enjoying this, and it feels too good to be I true. I bet you are. <laughs> I do love talking about myself, so it's terrible. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, it's recovering. I'm recovering. Oh man. Um, <laughs> What was the question? I Why do people it. do small talk? Yes. Said, so, Trevor said it with a lot of indignation, which was pleasing to me. small talk? Why? Here's the thing, though, right? Why? Here's the thing. I think I'm going to get – just get real personal here. I think it's very much like foreplay. It's necessary. It's super enjoyable. Both parties typically like it. It warms things up. <laughs> and then and then the real deep conversation is even that much better, possibly. possibly. Interesting. I mean, that could be it. Yeah. I could just be talking about my ass. Interesting yeah, I didn't. I didn't know you were going in that direction. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have guessed that you're you would under go the that impression way. that both parties usually enjoy small talk. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it back. I well, just thought see, it was I think, that, I think that this was how you define small talk. I think people who yes. enjoy small talk define it differently. Right. Yeah. What, okay. When let's we go think back. Of small We've talk, we really define it in an answers. elevator. You're like define uh, small talk. The, the define mother. small talk. I define. We just um, we actually had my dad on the podcast recently. And he is a big advocate fan of small talk and he defined it so differently. So, um, I mean, a big part of the reason why we started this podcast is I was working a corporate job and Trevor was working as a server. And so in these situations, we were both constantly having small talk where it was a very forced upon us script that we had to fulfill. It was like the same thing every time that we weren't allowed to change the script from at all. I mean, like. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's ultimately how I define small talk. It's not, I mean, yes, weather, that type of shit, but it's more about not even really asking the question, just doing the mandatory script. Mm. So there's no intent to actually want to know the answer. It's just a, like, requirement of conversation. Yeah. See, I don't know if I would call it small talk, though. That's just a script. So what would you consider small talk, James? Like, like, so I would consider small talk like what I was doing in retail, which is just kind of like finding ways to get to know people with uh, lighter, intimate questions. So like, like low barrier of entry questions. Right, right, exactly. That's what I think I would consider small talk. It's like finding ways to kind of to to feel out the surface and, and kind of check and see like what what can I get into here? Is this is this viable? Can I go a little bit deeper? 
um, that's kind of what I, I think we can consider small talk more. So you are actually, so that would make you like an anomaly, I feel like, too, because I lean more in your direction, Jen, where I see that most of the time when people are engaging in small talk, the questions that are being asked have no true intent behind them. There's no like, you know, like in America, we are notorious for saying, hey, how are you? We don't want to know the answer at all. There's no part of us that's like, tell me how you are, especially if you're not okay, then Nobody really wants to know that. There's that one out of 10 guys that was always like, oh, you don't really want to know how I am. But no, but that's true actually about you, James, is that when you ask somebody, hey, how are you? Like genuinely, like you are interested, like you do want to hear. So your small talk is coming from a place of like sincerity. Sincerity. Yeah. Uh, My answer is very different than James's. I don't fucking know why anyone would (laughs) do small talk. Like, let's just get to the nitty gritty. Like. Right, Let's get to the heart of the matter. Why I wanted to talk to you forever from the moment we started talking is because as soon as our faces were near each other, it was just like, all right, we're yeah, it's let's true. go for it. Yeah, I don't think we did much small talk at all. We were just like, tell me all the things you're doing with your life and what brings you joy. And <laughs> how many kids do you want? What are your deepest, darkest desires in life? Like, what do you? <laughs> we went, we went, yeah, we went deep real quickly. <laughs> and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Those are fun questions. Slash. Very good questions. Very good questions. I don't. I honestly don't know how you guys are going to edit this down to any kind of viable. I, I think that every single thing that's been said here needs to be heard by everyone. I'm not even kidding. We're just going to have one episode that's three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's been three hours. I don't really know. I, I would I, say close I, to that. I would yeah. not doubt it. Or yeah. at least we're over two. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't decide. I feel like we have to publish the podcast and get listener feedback. So, like, I came up with this game that's loosely based on I um, love games. my former, my my favorite podcast that actually just ended two weeks ago after 10 years. Um, well, they took a high. It's complicated. Uh, anyway, that was called Totally Lame. And they played a, a game called Lame or Totally Rapid Fire. So I came up with a game based on that. It's like interesting or Ooh. not rapid fire. So theirs was, you know, you say if it's something that's lame or totally. Yeah, I and love ours this. Is, is it interesting or not? Since we're occasionally interesting, but like it's that. kind of like I don't know. I feel like theirs was like a little bit more fun. I feel like that one of their questions was bald vaginas, and like every single time that was a topic that they would delve deep into with their <laughs> guests after they went rapid fire. And we don't. And it's interesting, but then oh, there's so many, and people are always like, ah. And I'm not sure, but I guess we Maybe should keep we doing it and get some feedback. With the wrong intention in mind. Definitely, bald vaginas does not fall in the, the category of interesting or not. Well, I'm I know it just doesn't fall into really what we have. We, we've seen yeah, it go in a different direction. All right, well, let's play the game and then. Oh yes, yes. All right, you want me to do it? James is do? so excited right now. If you ever want to do it, no, you go I right out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so interesting or not, and I define interesting simply as. Would it? I would wouldn't it, define it. I don't like to do that because then it's okay. such a too low of a bar. Let them. Too low of a bar. How do you guys? Okay, whatever. Let's just play the game. Do don't ask me how to define you? whether it's interesting. Do you want or me not. to tell you if I? No. Just everybody has asked me. Okay. I feel like. Okay. So all you get to say is interesting or not, okay. and then when I'm done listing all the things, you can explain any that you care to, but not during the game. Why is she looking at James? me? I think we all know why she's <laughs> okay. looking That's at you. Fair. That's Ready? Fair. Set interesting or not? Reiki. What? Reiki. Interesting. <laughs> Reiki. 
Reiki. Reiki? Reiki. Like what you do with leaves? <laughs> That's what I thought she was saying. I don't know what Reiki is. Reiki, like healing. Reiki, like the very interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Mycology. What? Why can I not hear these words all of a sudden? Mycology, the study of interesting for sure. Or study of what? Fungus. Yeah, it's interesting. Astrology. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That is not an option. Juggling. Not. Not. Jesus Christ. Very interesting. interesting. Beekeeping. Yes, interesting. Wait, wait. Beekeeping. Sorry. <gasps> Take me a minute. Interesting. Yes. Puns. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> Superfoods. Interesting. Interesting. Homeopathy. Interesting. Politics. Interesting. Uh, sadly, interesting. Hashtag me too. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I really love your facial expressions. <laughs> Kids. Not. Nah. <laughs> Chakras. Chakras? I've heard this word. Not. Remind me what it is. Say not. <laughs> Fine, not. Clearly, if that research it. It's like, uh, you know, your, your throat chakra. It's a, it's a hippie. But those are the points. No, those are interesting. 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 Cultural misappropriation. Interesting. Interesting. Snapchat. Not. Not. Meditation. Interesting. Past lives. Interesting. Interesting. Marijuana. Interesting. Spirit animals. Not. (laughs) (laughs) I do use the term though. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Fairies. Not. I'm Aries. Fairies. Fairies. I can't hear any of this for some reason all of a sudden. Interesting or not, James? Fairies. Fairies. Plastic free living. Interesting. Interesting. Psychedelics. Interesting. Interesting. Out of body experiences. Interesting. Interesting. Hypnotism. Interesting. Interesting. Ecstatic dance. Ecstatic dance. Interesting? Not. Aliens. I don't really know what it is. Interesting. Interesting. Conspiracy theories. Interesting. Interesting. This game. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I always find like people's inflections as they answer like part of the most interesting yeah, part this of it. This is so yeah, hard for that me. That was so fun to watch <laughs> to limit your, what you got to say. Oh my gosh. To try <laughs> to limit what I had to say, I was terrible at not. Yes. I just like, I'm like, can keep it to just oh, interesting man. or not. I really liked That's especially great. like both of your faces kind of like had an immediate glow when I said marijuana. Like they softened <laughs> like you just seemed like a really sweet puppy. Yes. <laughs> oh man. It's been such a topic of our, <laughs> that sounds so weird to say. It's been such a topic of our lives for the last year. But not in the sense of like Couple getting years. to partake, just in the sense of like one of us got to partake. Studying That's the... not true actually at all. <laughs> we you say talk. I guess we I mean a couple of times. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, that's true. But like but like prescription wise, not like it's still marijuana. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's prescribed doesn't change what it is. <laughs> I like that you say that with such like inflection as though it's like every day. <laughs> no, it's been a couple oh, of times. Man. Oh man. Yeah. 
uh, any others that you care to get into or explain. You have your chance now, James. Calm down. I don't remember all of them. There's too many fairies <laughs> and stuff out there. Fairies. Fairies, I thought you said. <laughs> uh, I know. You look so offended that I wasn't interested in your Aries, yeah. astrological um, sign. <laughs> Jen, what or who is your spirit animal? Mm, so I use this term <laughs> in the, um, I like to call it the early 20s tense of how to use this term. So I don't have a specific spirit animal, animal but if I find someone absolutely fascinating, I call them my spirit animal. This like is that. true. So uh, I, I don't know where I picked this up from. I, I only can imagine that I picked it up from some friend that's in her early 20s that is uh. trendy and adorable and I want to be cool like her. So She's her, her spirit now animal. I've somehow established that if I find someone absolutely enthralling, they become my spirit animal for at least the moment. I really like that. That's I think sweet. I think on this podcast we've referred to Michael Pollan as our spirit animal. Yeah, Ooh. I think I think that's happened. I mean, that sounds. We're gonna find out sooner or later. Accurate. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. <laughs> it's been done. Go through them all. It's been all. done at least in our personal lives. Yes, you... in our personal lives. <laughs> Do either of you have an actual animal that you would reference as your spirit animal? No, historically I say Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel Air is my Ooh, spirit animal. Wow. Just, I love just that. like my dance spirit yes. animal. Okay, love it. That's amazing. Devo. Mine's a mythical creature that I'm not sure the Liger. name of it is. It counts. <laughs> Explain. It's more humanoid. A griffin. A who? Similar to humanoid the appearance. <laughs> humanoid. Oh, you mean like the one that you are? Well, it's a whole, he aligns it's a with? whole shifty thing. I am <laughs> I am aware we've whole met. <laughs> I, oh, I've met your spirit. What animal. is oh, this? Multiple. I feel like I've met him more than you have. Was this on psychedelics? I don't know. <laughs> no, we speak openly about psychedelics on this podcast. Have you seen our logo? <laughs> I originally designed the back of our business cards with uh, with the little man playing the flute, sitting on um, a, a mushroom, and Trevor was like, "Nah, dude, you gotta like." Is that be a too close? To- cool about this? <laughs> not not so enough. Too, too not real. Too real. <laughs> That's too fantastic. Nice. I'm. It's, uh, I'm so this guy who was originally sitting on mushrooms instead of a box of said yes. no. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's so fantastic. It's a bit of a dog whistle for sure. That's great. <laughs> but that's kind of Trevor's spirit animal a little bit. I love it. That's, that's so funny. great. I mean, he doesn't like look like that, but it's kind of like his spirit. I love it. Do you see that? See, so I think they kind of flow into one another. Like, have you ever seen somebody kind of transform into an animal-y type figure when you take <laughs> enough <laughs> mushrooms? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. An animal type figure. Yeah, that was big. That's fantastic. Um, there was one in there that I was like, oh, I do kind of want to, I do out. kind of want to expound on why I found so it interesting. Many. But there were, there were so many. Yeah. Through, oh, yeah. so me too. I think that was the one that I was like, uh, mm, I don't know if I want to say interesting or not. So I am, well, I am absolutely, I love, I'm, I find the Me Too movement interesting specifically interesting because I'm very curious to see the ebbs and flows of like, I think the motive behind it is amazing. And I love to, I love seeing what has come about in terms of people feeling free um, and safe to speak out in, in terms Empowered. of, yeah, like the, the strength and numbers side of me too has been really amazing to watch. Uh, and on the flip side of that, it's really fascinating. I hate, 
I feel icky about it, but fascinating to see how um, advertisers are exploiting mm. the movement for uh, commercial gain. Commercial gain, yeah. That's gross. So it's and sad. It's just, and I'm curious to see what other directions. But it's that's going everything, ahead. right? Like, yeah, it is. It's everything. I think because that thing is just close to home for me. Sure. Um, it it like stings a little more. Slash, I can't. It's like a train wreck. Like I can't turn away from seeing all the bad ways it's being that the movement that is a good thing is being abused which in and of itself is is ironic right because it's like uh it's like it's like opening a door um to expose abuse in some way and then the very thing that's like exposing these bad behaviors is also in itself being taken advantage of so the movement itself i think that'd be a form of cultural misappropriation yes Yeah. I finally I something that I can claim. You've been having trouble. We're, we're, we're very culturally misappropriate. It's hard for us. We think that the way that people generally speak of cultural misappropriation is, is hard to understand for us because it's kind of like, you know, coming from a privileged white person. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You can have my culture. Right. I don't give a shit. Like, go right ahead. Right. Use it. Please like, mimic us, whatever. Everybody you want. else does. Yeah. Aziz Ansari had a stand up set set at some point last year where he said 2018 is the year of white people trying to outwoke each other uh, and i we re- i think we've said that on this before and i think half of our list of interesting or not is from our hippie friends where we're just kind of like oh shut up <laughs> like <laughs> but i think that's a pretty right. fair example of somebody monetizing a phenomenon inside of like a culture that's occurring yeah and like just yeah. taking it really just using it for a despicable purpose absolutely I, I, yeah it's, yeah it's pretty bad it's i didn't even know that was occurring that's it's fucked up it is well and it is and it's james you said it like it's not surprising i guess because we do that with literally everything yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything, so. anything to get their product out there and and it's all about pulling those heartstrings you know however can you get that emotion i swear this I don't know if it was this Super Bowl or last, I guess, obviously, because the one is really coming up now. But I think it must have been last, I guess, because that's probably about how long Do you it mean was. In the Eagles one? <laughs> oh. oh. Wow. Ah. You know, I could have sworn when I met you guys, you had no idea who the Eagles even were. No, that was a different, that was another. Philly um, couple? No, that yep. was definitely, I mean, that was probably, I'm sure. No, that was us. Don't no, you yeah. definitely said sports, and we were like, what? Bye. Yeah. But when the. Eagles win. We lived downtown. We knew that it was occurring because it was very noisy out our window. So we took my dad's t-shirts and took a picture. It's been really great hanging out with you guys. Eagles winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) Interesting. A short-lived relationship. (laughs) All that to be said, though. I was trying to say before before Jen cut me so deep. uh, We are okay. I don't even know how to deal with this. We know, like, no. we know the chance, no, no, and we know, know that it occurred, no, and no, that's the extent good. of our relationship to um, sports. Yeah, we can say one of our players like kill dogs. <gasps> no. well, Vick. yes, Michael Vick. Yes. However, he was no reformed on the Eagles. He was quote unquote reformed when he came to the Eagles. One of the things, actually, uh, no, we can't talk sports. This is not a sports. This is not <laughs> a opposite of podcast. a sports podcast. Don't get me talking about <laughs> sports. I can I can get into that arena. Let's not. No, I don't believe it. That was an eye roll in case anyone couldn't hear that over their microphones. <laughs> um, all I was going to say, now there's a plane coming over. All I was going to say is that um, during the Super Bowl, there were so many commercials 
that were about cars and everything else and nothing to do about the actual product, but everything to do about an emotional connection, yeah. like a father playing catch with his son. And that's all they ever showed. And like, so it's, it's no surprise that yeah. more and more marketing Emotion is just is... emotionally attacking our emotions. And trying how to the fuck do you do that? Like, here's a sweater. Hashtag me too. I don't fucking understand either, but it works. It, it, no, the so proof is in the pudding. Like, like Dove Real Beauty campaign and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. So, and of course, Gillette's like, doing it right now too with the, um, uh, they are. So, and, Toxic masculinity, but I love what they're doing with it, to be honest. It's right. hard. And that's exactly what I mean when I say it's like a train wreck. Like, I can't turn away from it because some of it intrigues me. Well, and all of it intrigues me. I'm yeah. not saying I support everything that's going on, but right. I want to know about all of it. Yeah, it's agreed. Like, but it can be, it's, it's, it's two edged sword, right? It is. Yeah, it is. And, and then it's like so hard to draw the line because there are great campaigns that I'm like, damn, yeah, you did a great job with that. Like, like the Gillette campaign. Um, and at the same time, I've, also fully understand that there are people sitting in a room creating that campaign and a hundred percent of me knows that it mm. wasn't from a place of sincerity it was a place it was from a place of monetization so, I, was, I thought you were gonna say and they probably they might be part of the problem when they created that campaign even well, without having, I mean, i'm actually kind of interested in what the campaign is now but i think that ideally if we're going to continue in a capitalistic society, yeah. those two need to coincide. The monetization of something and sort of doing it from a place of righteousness. Do we need yeah. to continue in a capitalist society? <laughs> well, yes. But no, I, I do agree that... <laughs> I'm not 100% wow, on that's that. A, I don't even know if you yeah, realize we what need you to just have said. Like an oh, I realize what I just said. podcast conversation about this. I realize also, what I said. Again, forbid my parents from listening. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and ours. I'm just saying I'm open to the conversation of what other options are out there. That's all. Um, I agree. I agree with you. I, I think... Sorry. I agree with you, Trevor, not James. <laughs> Nobody can see you. That's I'm looking at right clarification. now. Um, but yeah, I think I think there does need to be space for. I don't think there's anything wrong with provoking an emotional response for the sake of advertising. I think there is. Um, I feel like there should be a responsibility to. Um, I feel like there's a difference between a social topic and a like um, topic that cuts deep. Like, I don't know. I guess I guess there are just things that. Yeah, there are just things that I feel like should be a safe space for people to like personally develop in. Um, And when it I think it takes away from the heart of the matter when advertisers start to commercialize it. So it's like desensitization, right? So it's like if we see, um, for instance, uh, like naked bodies on TV over and over again, then we're like, oh, who cares? It's a naked body. We forget when we tell our parents to watch a TV show, like the opening opening scene is graphic because we watched it and we didn't think twice about it, right? So um, I think that's what hurts or like, bugs me about commercializing a movement like the me too movement is like you're taking something that's very like painful and deep and personal and people are feeling free to speak about it but then when you commercialize it too much it becomes unimportant and um, commonplace Uh, yeah i mean i think we should call companies out i mean i think there's an appropriate way of doing it and an inappropriate way of doing it yeah like you know if those companies are spending billions millions of dollars into like legitimate programs that help people and yeah. that, and they're somehow you know 
gaining money while doing that, that's great. I mean, I'm like, you know, as long as it's not. I think I'd like to see yeah, if that's the yeah. case. I think I'd like to see the, them also then give back. Like, okay, if you're yeah, going to utilize I mean, like, this, then, hey, let's give a portion of for sa- sure from a, point A when you start running this campaign to point B when you stop running this campaign. Why not a percentage of your proceeds go yeah. to go so to that? I think that would doing be doing is like superficially then, right. Yeah, that's pretty. Like you're not for helping total anybody. self gain, right? But if you're doing it out of a truly altruistic place, yeah, then you you should really be helping people. Yeah, yeah, for right. sure, for yeah. sure. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to strike that balance by any means, but that's, I'm sure there's a way. I that's mean, the there's, hard part. there's some good companies out there that actually yeah. do good things. Definitely. Like, yeah. We hope to think so. This is true. Yeah, it's you're right. It's a lot of gray area. So it's one of the, and I guess that's why I think it's fascinating and I'm not just fully disgusted by it because there is a part of me that's like, oh, that's so icky. And then the other part of me that's like, oh, this is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me see how this unfolds. Like, uh, I don't know, grabs my attention for sure. Well, I mean, what is, I don't know, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think terms like those are going to backfire on the original. Like terms like what? Toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. As, as you know, 50% of the population's male, and that feels like a little Wait, like. what? Yeah. 50%? True. Probably, I think <laughs> over. 51, I think, isn't it? 51, 49? Slightly more of us. <laughs> Crazy. That. Not by much. Crazy. Right? You're already seeing it with even me too. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's just it's creating this counterbalance that doesn't, you know, it's it's really a counter to something that doesn't really exist. Like, yeah, but now it's starting to exist because of like it's. Uh, it's, it's I worry a, about it. Yeah, there's always going to be those who who you know take something and twist it right, and then use it for their own gain or whatever, yeah. or or just foul up what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And with me too. Um speaking of masculinity it's kind of disheartening to see even like uh as a female um, i've seen like kind of watched and not a hundred percent of the time but a few times here and there i've watched men kind of like um share their stories um and try to like uh like use that hashtag let's say and get called out, even if their stories are very much so. Like, yeah, I was abused, abused in this way, in this specific way. Like, um, I was um, asked to, you know, like withdraw. Like, I was offered a promotion only if I slept with my boss, or I was, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. And it's really interesting to me that, like, uh, I, again, I, it's both sides of the coin. I do understand as a woman, like, that there's areas where women want to be able to like hold on to something and say like this is only our thing right that doesn't ever make any sense but to me. right no. like it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me because we're all human and at the end of the day it's like the there opposite shouldn't be... of feminism i yes. mean it's like different but equal agreed agreed yeah there shouldn't be something that i my opinion is there shouldn't be something that's like exclusion yeah absolutely exclusive to a certain sex or a certain race or a certain whatever like yeah. oof yeah Oh, and even as I say that, I think of what you just said about cultural appropriation. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there should be. I don't know. I don't know. No, I think I don't know. money. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to say, <laughs> no, my experience is my experience. Right. What? No. It's tough. It's another three-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> just that topic. Yeah. And it's hard to only say one thing because I don't want to be taken out of context or... I know. I'm going to specifically take it out of context and use that as the advertisement for this episode. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you should. Perfect. I'm definitely not saying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. All right, good. Right. So we'll wrap it up again. Yeah, we, we have we officially become your longest like recorded. Two, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and there was a bunch of time where I wanted to be recording and I didn't until I ran across the street. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's been absolutely amazing to talk to you guys and we could seriously keep on going probably for like a week if you guys just want to go on vacation <laughs> together know, and like record the whole right. thing that'd be it's really fun. great it'd be the new the newest thing like a a <laughs> 72 hour just a podcast live, live stream <laughs> podcast yeah. of conversation could be a uh, an advertisement for like longest podcast yes. single oh. podcast in history my friend right now started um i don't know sometime in the last 24 hours in the states it's his birthday, and he's doing. starting. He's trying to get the Guinness Book of World Records spot for the longest ever dance marathon held by an individual. He's planning on dancing for seven days straight. Oh my goodness! Is he gonna play uh, <laughs> "Dancing with Myself"? I am sure. I don't even know that, that song, but that sounds like shit. Dancing with I hope he does. Oh, I've never heard of this song before. What? <laughs> I wonder how much thought went into the playlist. That's impressive. Seven days. He's a DJ. I don't know. That sounds exhausting. Yeah, it's crazy. Exhausting. me just thinking about How is that even physically possible? Yeah, That's what I said. I didn't think it was physically possible, but apparently there is somebody that's... The current record holder is like six days, so That's you can insane. do it. Apparently, jeez, I was like three days tops. You're gonna be hallucinating. Like, I would right. just set up like, a giant adult bouncy. The thing you put a kid in, you like you set him in a bouncy, you know. Yeah. Oh. So when he wants to fall asleep, just put him in that, and then have his feet on a treadmill. Yes, there and we just go. Keep it going, with, keep it going. along with music. It's I dancing. Like that. That's brilliant. He's doing the running man. Shoot, I'll have Done. to text him. <laughs> good luck constructing all that james, it can be done james with his out of the box thinking out of the box thinking by james.com <laughs> so we got out of the box Don't. thinking by james.com and unsticking by jen.com perfect oh man done. that's totally it, Boom. Got it. <laughs> you just solved all of our problems in yeah. life with our Domain two new businesses we do, trevor and i do have a fucking knack for coming up with like business names we're always like again, that's brilliant the universe has just handed them to us because it's always exactly what we come up with, and it's available. Like, That's, yeah, yeah that really is like a gift. The Asian selfie on Instagram. <laughs> we <laughs> told you right. guys I'm so posted excited yet, about this it. idea. I have a lot of content I got to shift through. Oh, man. I cannot wait. I'm <laughs> dying to see this. Uh, yeah, that needs to happen. Best Instagram ever. All right. We should okay. get home to Chewy. Thank you. For Yay, thank you for coming you guys. It's been we, a pleasure. We want you back like 90 times. So you're going to be our podcast co-host. It. Thank I'm you so, so much. And I'm we so couldn't, this you guys so did fun. this earlier too, but we couldn't have done this long of a podcast without you guys being interesting as well. I'm so. serious. <laughs> like best conversation, best all afternoon slash evening conversation <laughs> ever. <laughs> Agreed strongly. I'm so, it's amazing that it's recorded forever. I love it. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.